If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. When I feel like giving up, which times I do, I feel like really giving up. Somebody came up to me. She started crying. She'd been following me. And she said, I can't believe I saw you. I was at my hotel. She was staying at the hotel that I worked at. And she was like, I can't believe it's you. And I'm like, okay. She said, you've inspired me so much. I'm going to buy a hotel. Like she was crying. She said, don't give up. She said, you're changing my life. You're changing other people's life. And it was so crazy. I literally just thought about giving up. And she said, whatever you do, don't give up because this is bigger than you. That's what keeps me going. That's the legacy. Because I could have just kept this all and just said, I'm just going to do this for my son and my children's children and I ain't going to ever meet. And that's it. But that's not fair. And I felt that God has placed this in me and my passion has turned into a purpose. Oh my gosh, the blessings have just came back tenfold. I mean, I've lost friends. It's all right. I'm okay. It's been a beautiful journey. It's kind of scary because I'm like, what's going to come next? But I'm excited. So what's to come is 2023. It's my Jordan year. I'm ready to go. I'm working on some things. So you'll see. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, 
special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Devon, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you here. Please go ahead and start off by introducing yourself and telling the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Happy New Year, everyone. My name is Davon Reeves. I am a serial entrepreneur. I am the president and founder of the Vaughn Group. We are a consulting firm where we teach folks, people of color, how to become profitable and successful hotel owners and investors. I have a crowdfunding platform, which you can invest in commercial real estate as well as raise capital for commercial real estate, including hotels. I'm the co-owner of three hotels across two different states. My favorite job is I'm a proud mom of a toddler. He's actually about to be four. So that is incredible. First of all, the fact that you are a black woman in an industry, which I feel like definitely could use some diversity. I definitely want to find out how you got into that space, but let's go back to your money story. So tell me what were some of the biggest money lessons that you grew up learning either in your household or with family members? Like what was your upbringing like when it relates to finances and money? So my grandmother was really good with money. She came up in a time where it was very hard, not even just black people, people of color. So she well, she was born into a sharecropping family pretty much, right? And so she was really big on saving for a rainy day. And she was a nurse for 32 years. And by the time she finished, she retired making $8.32 an hour. I'll never forget that number. That exact, exactly, $8.32 an hour. Now, mind you, my grandma had two paid off houses a paid off car, no debt, funeral paid for. She put me and my sister through college. Now, mind you, she only made, she finished at $8.32, right? My mom, she didn't really have college debt. My aunt, who I'm probably the least educated in my family. Everybody got like their master's and certificate or something like that, right? But my biggest mistake was I didn't pay attention to my grandmother the most. She wasn't really big on investing. Like she didn't understand that. She just knew when I get older, I want to be comfortable. Like, I don't want to be living paycheck to paycheck after I retire. Because my grandma, she liked to travel. She was going on cruises. She didn't want to live a life where she worked all her life and she still had to work. That was my, and she kept, and now it makes sense. Devon, you never know when you're going to have a rainy day. You never know what's going to happen. So you always want to have money to the side. It didn't make sense then, but it makes sense now. It's incredible when you hear stories like that, where our elders made something out of literally nothing. And there's so many of those stories in our community, which tells me that we have the basic skill set to create wealth if we know how to do it. And where it stops for most of us is just at the savings portion where it's just like you focus on saving, maybe you buy a house, you have extra money, maybe you buy another house and you become a landlord. But there's not this like next level conversation that happens typically where we're talking about investing or building businesses or what actually creates. Yeah, that wasn't talked about in my family. But what I will say is that I wish my grandma taught me more because I wasn't paying attention. And I had to, because she couldn't really read and write. So I had to write her checks and stuff for her. And so she always had money in her checking account. So we just wrote it. But I wish she would have taught me more like how to balance the checkbook and budgeting. And that's what I'm going to share with my son. Like I'm even teaching him now, like we putting this money in the piggy bank. Okay. We putting this, anytime we have extra change, we put it in this piggy bank. And then once he really start to be able to comprehend, 
he's gonna be like, mommy, I want this. And I'm be like, well, this is how much money you got. Can you afford to get it? So that way he can understand the value of money, right? I think we were, where were we? Where were we made? Fincom. Ain't Fincom. And we were on the panel with, what's my girl name? Jatali and Ellie. Jatali, yeah. When she, I say, you know what? I'm going to start doing that with my son. That's Mm -hmm. genius. That way he can understand, okay, if I only have $10 and this toy costs $20, I can't get it. I can't say, mommy, can I borrow 10? It's going to be like, this is what you got. And then you're going to have to work harder or save to actually get that toy that you want. Absolutely. Okay. So I love the context that you've given us as far as the family lessons that you've learned about money. So how did those begin to show up for you as you became an adult? Like how did you start off your career? What were you doing? Or were you always like planning on doing this entrepreneurial thing? I wasn't always planning to be an entrepreneur. Kind of I was. I was, but I wasn't. I never really took that risk until I didn't have a choice. And so my biggest mistake and what I advise entrepreneurs, if you do have a nine to five job, like I know some people hate on nine to five jobs and I'm like, why? Like it's some people who work in nine to five and they make more than entrepreneurs. So, hey, and people who work nine to five, they actually support entrepreneurs, right? <laughs> so <laughs> those are the majority of people that support us, right? And the majority of my investors work are nine to five. I don't really have that many full-time entrepreneurs who invest in my stuff. So what I tell people who want to become an entrepreneur who have a nine to five is make that nine to five your first investment in your company. Use that as a base so you won't be stressed. Because sometimes when you're stressed, it's either two things that happen. You make irrational decisions because you're so stressed and you just quit. Or you like, I ain't got no other choice. I'm hungry. I'm starving. And I'm about to figure it out. It's really no in between. And so, so my biggest mistake was when I was working corporate, I wish I would have had, I had a side job, but it wasn't entrepreneur. It was like a part-time job. I always had like multiple streams of income coming in. And I was big on, like, if I had a second job or something like that, I would just take that money and put it into a separate bank account. Like I wouldn't even see it. I wouldn't even look at it. Right. So for my folks who are an entrepreneurs and they're trying to transition into becoming a full-time entrepreneur, use that nine to five to help fund your business. Use that nine to five. That can be your base until your entrepreneur, whatever you're doing on the side, it makes more money than your full-time job. So that way you can transition, you can get things in place, meaning benefits in place. Meaning if you have children, that way you can save up six months to a year, especially if you're by yourself. If you have a partner, I've seen some instances where it's a couple and one person has a nine to five, and another person is an entrepreneur. So it's that base, it's that security, it's the benefits coming in. Those are always my suggestions when I talk to people and they want to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. And so you mentioned that you used to be in corporate before you were running your own business. So what's your background in? So I actually got my start off as a front desk agent. That's not corporate, but it was nine to five and I got benefits, right? Well, it wasn't really nine to five. It was the job. Whatever okay. hours they needed you. <laughs> Whatever hours. It was hotel is no such thing as nine to five. You is it's a 24 hour. So business. you started off in the tourism industry. Started off in the tourism industry. And so I got into corporate. I actually took this non-paid internship and I worked at Hyatt. Did that for about three months. Fell in love with the company. Fell in love with what I was doing. I left Hyatt. And then that's when I worked for that company full time. And I was there for two years. It was a great company, a lot of great experience. That's how I really learned what I'm doing now. Then I moved into a larger company where I had more responsibility, more pay. That was my true introduction to corporate, right? Mm -hmm. So definitely lobster. I was in Boston, so lobster style, okay? And I always was big in retirement. I would put money away for retirement, but now I was like, okay, let me really get into investing. 
So I started getting stuff like Acorn because I really wasn't taught investing growing up. You know, every time I swipe my card, this money will go into an account or something. And then one day I looked at it, I was like, oh, wow. Like, look at all this money. I tried to put money away so I won't see it because if not, I'll spend it. <laughs> Me too. Hey, I'm being honest. <laughs> I still do it to this day. I even have one Acorns account for my little one. I just swipe the card and the money goes in for him. Yeah. So that was my corporate job. And then I became an entrepreneur in 2017. Did not plan that, did not think that through. You know, you don't get benefits. You don't get an expense account. It's a little different. You wear a lot of different hats. Nothing can prepare you to be an entrepreneur unless you do it. You can take as many courses. You can read as many books. You can do as much as you can. And everyone's journey is different. I wish I would have learned more about business credit when I first started out. I wish I would have focused more on creative revenue streams. I could have done a lot of different things, but I didn't really have that mindset. I was just raised in a certain way. And so I didn't have that hustle or I didn't have that think outside of the box when it comes to different revenue streams. Now it's different because I'm an entrepreneur and I have a son. So I'm in legacy mode for him. You know, I want to live a certain lifestyle. I'm thinking, that, okay, what can I do so that way I can live this lifestyle and so my son can have a better lifestyle than me and my children's children and so forth. So Yeah, I love that. Okay, so you mentioned you were working in the hospitality industry. Were you in like the acquisition space or like how did you start to get the idea of like becoming an owner of a hotel? Like where did that come from? So in that that consulting, when I took that non-paid internship, it was a consulting firm. So we focused on feasibility studies. So what a feasibility study, for those who don't know, basically just seeing if the project is feasible or not or seeing if it'll work. So I learned how to do feasibility studies to see. So basically looking at a piece of land, seeing which brand, hotel brand will works there, coming up with the numbers, doing the market research and seeing if a hotel will actually make sense there. So we would do reports to clients who were potential hotel owners. So I learned the development process, the programming process, the different brands, the different concepts, the how to structure deals how to understand public-private partnerships are working with the city. All of those different things I learned in that consulting firm. And then when I moved to Boston, that's when it was more on the acquisition side because the firm was larger and we had more clients. And so I learned a lot about acquisition because our clients would buy hotels, sell hotels, develop hotels. And so I was more so on that side. So that's how I learned. So I literally learned about hotel ownership from other hotel owners. And that was my thought process the entire time. Okay, my goal is want to be a hotel owner. The best way is to learn from other hotel owners. I love that. How long were you in corporate before you made the transition? Four years. Does operations count? Because I, I was- think so. So 10 years. So 10 okay. years. I think that makes a lot of sense because when I talk to entrepreneurs that- it takes about seven to 10 years, I would say, to become like an expert in whatever it is, that thing that you want to do. Okay, so let's talk about your first deal as your own hotel owner. Like, how did you structure that? How did you go about it? How did you make that happen? So the first deal was the 85-room home two suites in El Reno, Oklahoma, partnered with Nassau Investments. And I get this question all the time, Devon, well, why El Reno? You live in Atlanta. I never heard of El Reno until the deal came. I had to Google it. Like I was like, where's El Reno? <laughs> and it's 40, 40 minutes outside of Oklahoma City. And the reason why we took that deal was because of the numbers. That was a numbers deal. And we actually acquired that hotel during COVID. So we acquired it in 2020. And so the previous owner had some challenges and some difficulties because of COVID. The hotel was developed in 2017. We bought it in 2020. 
So it was relatively new property. We didn't have to do a lot of renovation. We didn't have to do really too much work in it. It was more so just coming in and reposition it from an operational standpoint. And so how it works from a hotel standpoint. So hotels is an operating business sitting on real estate. How it works is that it's based off of the operations of the hotel and how it performs. So let's say you have two hotels next to each other, same location, similar brands. But if they have two different operators, the one with the best operations or performs the best could probably have a higher valuation. So that's how it works. So we repositioned that property by bringing in a management company. That was our first deal. We found it through a broker and we were able to structure the deal and and buy it from the previous seller at a discounted fee. Okay. So let's talk about how one even becomes like eligible to participate in these kinds of deals. Do you have to be an accredited investor to start being a hotel owner or not? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com dinero. No, you don't have to be an accredited investor because I wasn't an accredited investor before I got in. Credit investor, for those who don't know, you make over 200000 a year or you have a million dollar net worth. And what you do need to have, you do need to have good credit and you need to have access to capital. So that doesn't mean that 
you personally have to have the money, but you need to have access to it. You need to be able to find it through business credit, lines of credit. Like you need to be able to pull it from somewhere. And so I always say to start off with getting an SBA loan, Small Business Association 7A loan, because you can put 10 to 20% down. So for those people who may not be as capitalized, then they can start off there. The hotel just has to be up to $5 million and you're able to purchase it that way. Okay. And then as far as finding these deals, so you mentioned a broker. So how does one actually find like hotels that are available for sale? Well, shout out to my brother in the hospitality space, um, hip hop broker, Omari Head. So I always give him, that's my go-to hotel broker. You want to work with a broker who specializes in hotels. There's a lot of brokers out there. They even come to me, they give me hotel deals and I'm like, and they're like, it's my first deal. I do other stuff. It just came across. They don't know how to evaluate it. The players is too much. You end up educating them is too much. So you want to work with the broker mostly for the valuation and for just understanding the business. So I know people, you know, they deal with brokers that maybe deal with other commercial asset classes or residential. And typically people who are truly in commercial or they will say, hey, I don't do hotels, but I could connect you with somebody who do it. They want to stay in a lane. They're like, look, I ain't trying to reinvent the wheel here and learn. So you definitely want to get somebody who understands the hotel space and just ask them, how many hotels have you closed on? Because think about it. If it's your first time buying a hotel and then you work with somebody else and they first time selling a hotel, so it's the blind leading the blind. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, does not sound like a good recipe. Yeah, it's going to be a long time getting to the closing table. <laughs> I think most people, when they're thinking about buying real estate, they are familiar with the idea of buying like a single family home. You find a realtor, you put in an offer, you do an inspection and blah, blah, blah. How is that process different? It's similar because it's still real estate. So the real estate aspect is the same. So you have to get an appraisal if you're doing an acquisition. The difference is you don't have to go to the bank to find a list of approved appraisers. You know, you just want to work with somebody who's done a hotel appraisal before. You do get an inspection. It's a called property condition assessment. So the process from the real estate standpoint is still the same. The extra layer is if you're going with the brand, you have to get approved by the brand. So that's one thing. Financing is different. It's a little bit more complicated because not everybody lends on hotels. So that can be the tricky part. Since hotels are higher in price or valuation than residential, are you capitalized to get access to that capital in a short amount of time frame? Your team is crucial, having the right lawyer, like negotiating the purchase-sale agreement, having the right lawyer negotiating your franchise agreements. Those are the different levels that makes it a little bit more complicated. And a lot of times with lenders, if it's your first time buying a hotel, they want somebody in your team to have hotel experience. So having the right management company. So finding the right management company for those who in residential or multifamily, that's property management. So you want somebody to manage the day-to-day operations for you. Have they ever successfully managed a hotel? Think about it. If you stayed at a horrible hotel, you remember that horrible stay. Like they couldn't pay you to come back. That's an operation issue. So you don't want to bring on an operator where they can't operate the hotel. They're not making you money as an owner. You're losing money. They're not bringing gas. They're not managing the finances for you. So you really want to get a management company who's going to take care of you as an owner so that way you can grow your portfolio. So those are the things that as an extra little step, and that's where you want to get somebody to kind of walk you through it. Yeah. You're really going to need to rely on relationships that you build. And unless you work in that industry or you have a lot of connections, what's the best way for people to start immersing themselves in groups and environments where they can even actually meet people who work in this industry, whether it's brokers or lawyers or whatever? 
Starting off with conferences. So there's the Latina Hotel Association. Their goal is to increase the percentage of Latina hotel owners. Uh, my good friend, shout out to Chris Henry. He is a Latino, so he's very involved with that. He's based out of California. He's a hotel development consultant. He consults people to develop hotels internationally. And then there's NABHUD. That stands for National Association of Black Hotel Owners, Operators, and Developers. That's an organization that increased the percentage of Black-owned hotels. And then you have the Asian American Hotel Owners Association. That's the largest hotel owners association. And then you have the American Hotel Lodging Association, which is more of operations and a legislative. All of them are good to get started, to meet with other hotel owners, to educate yourself, to really meet the players. The people that you're going to need on your team are going to be there. You're going to find your lawyers. You're going to find your brands. You're going to find a consultant if you need a consultant. If you need an appraiser, you're going to find your, everything you need are going to be at these conferences because that's where the hotel owners are, right? I love that. We're going to make sure to link all of those resources in the episode show notes so that you guys can take a look at those. All right. So how does a hotel owner make money? Explain the business model to us. So you have your revenue. You have your expenses. You have your debt service and taxes and all that other stuff. Now, it's different ways how you can slice it. So if you bring in investors, and of course, your investors get paid first, and then you pay yourself out, right? I always say start off with like an extended stay or limited service or economy hotels because it's not as many expenses, and that's more money coming to you to start off with, right? The types of hotels that I just mentioned, those are more cash flowing property. So as an owner, so for the folks who look in a transition out of working a nine to five, those are good hotels to start with. That the while you start building a lot of cash and you're able to eventually leave your full-time job and then you're able to build your portfolio because of the cash that you're building. Now, if you want to get into brands like the Hilton and Marriott and Hyatt, those are more of a longer term play. So meaning you make a little money, but you really make your money when you sell the hotel because the valuation is higher because of the type of brand. So that's more of a long-term play. So I always say it's good to have a combination of both of of cash cash flowing hotels and more so equity hotels. So from an ownership perspective, that's how you would make your money, but it also depends on your investment strategy. Very cool. Would you say that it's critical for a hotel owner to outsource when it comes to things like operations management? Or do you think that's something that somebody can take on for themselves, depending on the size of their portfolio? They can, depending on the size of the portfolio. So here's the con of doing it yourself. Let's say somebody calls off. Well, you're going to be in there checking in guests. I mean, it's just that simple. It's just that simple. But if you decide to bring in a management company, that's typically 3 to 4% of your revenue, and they're going to come in and manage the day-to-day. So you won't get those 3 a.m. phone calls. If somebody calls off, you won't have to check in and guess. That's what you're paying to outsource. Some times what people do, they do outsource the housekeeping department. They're like the smaller hotels, they're outsourced. The engineering department, you know, they'll outsource different things if it's a smaller hotel to minimize the expenses because the limited service and economy hotels and select service you're looking at probably depending on the profitability or the type of hotel and you're probably looking at 20 to 30 percent profit margins. Less expenses that you have, the higher your profit margin will be. So those are the type of hotels that you want to look at. Awesome. This is really helpful information, and I want folks to know more also about Vester. So tell us what Vester is and how you can start using that platform to begin your hotel owner's journey. Absolutely. So Vester is a crowdfunding platform where you can invest not only in hotels, but other commercial real estate asset classes as well. So legally, you can't go and say, hey, you want to invest in my project? You can't really do that. (laughs) And so 
it was hard for me to raise capital. And so some of the platforms that I saw, you either had to have a very high net worth or real estate portfolio, which I didn't have. It was like all of these different obstacles. I was like, what about for people like me who just getting started, right? I did find one platform, but the experience was horrible. And I was like, I'm just going to create my own. I guess that entrepreneur came up, right? And I had a newborn baby. So I was like, I got to figure out how to feed this baby. So as I came up with the idea, fast forward a couple of years later, and I noticed that there was a lot of people who looked like us, but they weren't owning hotels or they couldn't invest in it because they didn't know where to go. And then I was finding a, a lot of people who looked like us who didn't know how to raise capital. So, well, let me connect. Let me just basically use my experience to connect the people. And so Vester, V-E-S-T-E-R-R.com, where you can go on and you can invest. You don't have to be an accredited investor to invest. There are hotel deals on there. The minimum investment, it varies per deal, ranging from 15000 all the way to 50000 So it varies. You can definitely sign up on the website. We have information. We have weekly talks as well on our LinkedIn and Facebook page to educate you. I'm really big on education. Basically, you go onto the site and if you see a deal that you're interested in, it has the pitch deck, it has the due diligence material, so that way you can do your homework. We're a member of FINRA. And so that gives that extra credibility, you know, for the folks who want to invest in the projects. So thank you for asking about that. Ma'am, you are breaking so many barriers. I mean, you are out here developing technology for folks to have more access to investments. Like you are breaking so many barriers. And I'm wondering, have you ever encountered like imposter syndrome or a lot of those beliefs that stop people from doing what incredible things they can do? And how do you manage that? I probably suffered it when I first went viral because you know, I went viral, with, I think it was a couple of years ago. So it was like, whoa, like, I wasn't expecting that. We just put out a press release and I was like, oh, okay. And then it just kept going and going and going and it's still going. And so I got used to it now, but when it first happened, it was just like surreal. It was a humbling experience, but it prepared me for today. So now I've gotten used to it. And so I always say it's prepared me for something long. And luckily and fortunately, I'm around people who been in the media for a very long time. So I was able to reach out to them and to talk to them. And I did have to restructure my team a couple of times. You do come across people that try to take advantage of you. And so you kind of kind of weed those people out. But after a while, you know, you kind of get acclimated. You get used to it. You go through it. It's just some things you just have to go through. And if you pay attention and listen to the right people and, you know, I read off of people's energies. And I had my little one. Unfortunately, I didn't have my dad and my grandma to experience, but I had my little one. And so I had my really good friends who's been really, really supportive. And I have some good friends who are my sounding board. You know, it's good to have a good people around you and also take time for yourself in the process and then to enjoy the moment. I have the habit of not doing that. So I'm being more intentional. And this year, that's my word this year, is to be more intentional of really focusing on the present because I'm more like, what's next? What's next? What's next? I'm guilty of that too. It's like, you don't even stop to celebrate the wins. Exactly. It's like I launched a platform. Now it's like, okay, I got to raise this money. Then once I raise the money that I want to raise, I'm like, I want to do something. Like I'm already thinking of what to do next. And it's like, they've been focused on right now. Yeah. So, What's your current portfolio look like? Right now it's about close to 30 million. And how many hotels is that? Three hotels and then three residentials. Wow. Okay. So when you say residential, those are like apartment complexes or things like that? Or? No, no, no. My house and then two other investment properties. Okay. So my goal for this year, I am going to get a multifamily and I want a daycare. Amazing. How do you manage your time? Because I imagine you have a lot of shit going on. 
I'm horrible at it. But this year, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be more efficient. That's on my to-do list, okay? I'm going to be more efficient. I'm going to plan my days out. I'm going to do as much as I possibly. I'm going to schedule a lot of things and delegate. I'm going to be delegating a lot of things because what I realized, and my business coach told me this, she said, if your rate $500 an hour and you're doing a $20 an hour job, you losing money. And that's what I was doing. And I realized it was impacting because I'm more of a strategic thinker. I'm not a detailed person anymore. Like I can't handle it. It makes my head hurt. And so I'm more of a strategy. So if I'm focusing on these details and making the post and sending out it, that's all details. I need to be thinking more of the overall strategy. My goal is to raise $100 million in a year. So I need to delegate the other stuff, like coordinating the podcast to somebody else. So I'm trying to do a better job of delegating. But again, it's harder for me because I started off as a front desk. So it's like, in my mind, I'm still a front desk agent going back to that imposter syndrome. It's like, Devon, this is where you are. It's different when you started off as a front desk agent and now the CEOs of pretty much all the major hotel brands know who you are. So it's like, okay, if you're on that level, then you can't be focusing on administrative tasks, right? You need to be focused on the big picture. Like my goal is to increase the percentage of Black-owned hotels, right? That's what I need to be focusing on. And more of the strategic thinking and having people who are good at their job. If they're good at operations and process, I'm not a process person. That makes my head hurt. So what <laughs> I do, I bring on people that are, pro- I'm not a step-by-step. That's not how my life works. My, my brain isn't built that way. Yeah. Most entrepreneurs are not like that. <laughs> That's why we don't like the corporate structure because it just feels too controlled. It's too much. It really makes my, I feel like this is making my hair. I didn't detail. <laughs> but I had people around me who were detailed people. They like step by step. And so you have to have that balance in order to grow and do and in order to build a portfolio, you have to have systems in place because that was just limiting me. My goal is like retire really soon. Mm-hmm. You know? Girl, I think you could retire now if you wanted to. <laughs> Give me like five more years. Five more years, I'll be good. Five more years, because then my son, how old will he be? He'll be about nine. So that way I could be like a soccer mom. And like, <laughs> oh, and that way I won't have to be on my iPhone. Like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Yes. I can present with my little one, root him on being a soccer mom. <laughs> I love that. And I love your honesty because I think from the outside looking in, a lot of people can think that like we all have it figured out. But at the end of the day, If you're a first generation entrepreneur, like you are building the plane while you're flying it. And it is a hot mess. We're a hot mess. Always. (laughs) I've met so many other entrepreneurs, I ain't gonna call them out. I thought I was bad until I met them. I said, Oh, we all a hot mess. I was like, Oh, we we a mess. (laughs) So tell me about the legacy that you're building, right? Because you talk about how you're not only doing this for yourself, but also for your son and to just change the legacy of your family. Why do you think that's important? My grandmother taught me not to be selfish. She's not a selfish person. She wasn't a selfish person. She taught me to teach, to treat people better than you want to be treated, right? And that's just me because me just being a giver, that my passion has turned into a purpose. More people who look like me are becoming hotel owners or they're even having the conversation about hotel ownership at the dinner table. It's surreal sometimes when I see some of my students, a couple submitted an LOI before Christmas and they got accepted for a hotel. So now they're changing the trajectory of their family. Uh, Another friends of mine who I helped and mentored, they just closed on their first hotel. 
I was like, oh my God. Like when I see people who are part of my community and they're investing in hotels, the people who've been around me, who've changed and who've invested in my hotels, their lives have changed. Like they can bring their children into hotels that they own. Like one of my investors, he had me rolling. He said, I checked in my hotel and I didn't have to pay. He was like, I ain't know what to do. He was like, that's (laughs) the first time that ever happened to me. You know what I mean? And so the legacy that I'm creating, not only was just for my son, but five to 10 years from now, it's going to be people who I probably will never meet. And they're going to come up to me and say, Devon, because of you, I bought a hotel or my granddaughter bought a hotel. Because of you, my mindset is shifted. Some people came to me and said they bought a multifamily because the mindset of their mindset is changing now. So that's what's keeping me going. When I feel like giving up, which times I do, I feel like really giving up. (laughs) Somebody came up to me. She started crying. She'd been following me. And she said, I can't believe I saw you. I was at my hotel. She was staying at the hotel that I worked at. And she was like, I can't believe it's you. And I'm like, okay. She said, you've inspired me so much. I'm going to buy a hotel. Like she was crying. And she said, don't give up. She said, you're changing my life. You're changing other people's. And it was so crazy. I literally just thought about giving up. And she said, whatever you do, don't give up because this is bigger than you. That's what keeps me going. That's the legacy. Because I could have just kept this all and just said, I'm just going to do this for my son and my children's children and I ain't going to ever meet. And that's it. But that's not fair. And I felt that God has placed this in me and my passion has turned into a purpose. And it's came back tenfold. Oh my gosh, the blessings have just came back tenfold. I mean, I've lost friends. It, it happens. You know, I'm sure you've been through it. Yep. When you move up in life, people Not start. everybody can come with you. Nobody, everybody come with you. And that's cool. It's all right. I'm okay. It's been a beautiful journey. It's kind of scary because I'm like, what's going to come next? But I'm excited to what's to come. It's 2023. It's my Jordan year. I'm ready to go. I'm working on some things. So you'll see. I love that. And it just emphasizes the importance of showing up, just you being in these spaces where we have not seen ourselves represented as people of color is so impactful and powerful and can be the thing that unlocks potential for somebody else is just seeing, hey, if she can do it, I can do it too. That is so powerful. Exactly. So tell me about how you work with students now in order to help them begin their own journeys as investors. What programming do you have available? How can folks work with you? Yeah, so definitely I have a book called How to Buy a Hotel. So that's a good way to get started. I have an academy called Vester Academy that they can go through. It's monthly membership where you get to talk to a coach and they walk you through, answer any question that you may have, you know, as far as getting a hotel space. So follow me on Instagram has my information on there on how you can get in contact with me and learn to get into the hotel business, become an owner or investor. I have some people who just want to invest too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There are lots of different ways for folks to connect with you and we'll make sure to add all of those links in the episode show notes. Please make sure to follow Devon and everything she has going on on Instagram. And I just want to say thank you for being such a leader and a trailblazer in this space It's so inspiring, and I know folks are going to want to find out so much more about you, what you're doing, and seeing how they can potentially fold this type of investment into their overall life strategy. So thanks for your knowledge, and thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, 
People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start. That's yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.